Hey, boys! Why the long faces? Oh, nothing. We're just done with Fallout 76. Yeah, and we want an interesting post-nuclear role-playing experience without all the Bethesda. It sounds like you need some Outer Worlds! Outer Worlds? What's Outer Worlds? Wait, we need a time loop counting down to a supernova? Wrong game, sweetie. It's Outer Worlds, a new game for a new generation of CRPG players. Wow, it tastes just like Fallout. Four out of every five gamers can't tell the difference. And with this new flaw and perk system, I can min-max like never before. Check out this flamethrower. You set my hair on fire. Yeah, you'll have a fear of fire after that. Just like Michael Jackson. But when you've recovered, you'll never have to worry about hairstyles ever again. That is not a perk. That's enough out of you, Sinead O'Connor. Now go grab some sodas and we'll check out the rest of Outer Worlds. Make it a Dr. Thunder. Ah, I see what you did there. (laughs) (laughs) My head. Outer Worlds, it's Dr. Thunder Fallout for the indie generation. In the early 2000s, Kelly Ryan and Matt Mason were sent to backlog prison for the crime of owning too many games. These RP gamers promptly escaped with help from their staff to the internet underground. Today, still drowning in unplayed games, they survive as podcasters with no fortune. If you have a backlog, if no one else can help, well, you've already found them. It's our A-team of RPG Backtrack. And welcome to RPG Backtrack, your regular deep dive into your favorite RPGs. We are a production of RPGamer.com, bringing you such fine podcasts like RPG Cast, your weekly news show, Q&A Quest, your weekly feedback show, and we're your bi-weekly nostalgia show. I'm your host, Kelly Ryan, and I've got with me the Mountain Dew to my Pepsi, my co-host partner in crime, Mr. Matt Mason. I'm just hanging out on the inner worlds tonight. Uh, I don't have much to say about this one, but uh, I cannot wait to hear about that. I feel I've heard from a Q&A quest quite a bit about this game, and uh, I cannot wait to hear more. Yeah, I, I looked on my many free game services to see if I had had this downloaded somewhere, and nope, nobody had it. So this is going to be one of those shows where I... We turn on the mic and we turn the guests loose. Our, our first guest, uh, Miss Miss Sam Walker. I'm sorry, I'm this a, is. <laughs> I'm a corporation. <laughs> Josh Carpenter. Hey there. And Q and A Quest uh, crossover, David McBurney. Currently indentured to uh, Spacer's Choice for probably about the next seven years, based on my current pay stub. <laughs> so, so yeah. Uh, Recycling a name from an RPG cast, but we could not use it. It's it's Outer Worlds, Doctor Thunder Fallout. Uh. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you just got to go with the obvious joke. Hmm. A joke oh, I that I had to explain on the cast when I made it. 
no one knew what Dr. Thunder was. Oh, I, I knew exactly what you were talking about. I've seen all of those knockoff sodas. Yeah, you know, you put uh, Mentos in them, they just don't explode as well either. No. Nope. Uh, although I did find out Dr. Sam's Choice does pretty good. Mm. It's acceptable. I'm uh, I mean, a apparently choice. that's very popular because... <laughs> You're also Sam's choice is a, Yes, who knew? She's also a corporation. I mean, and a robot. She's and a robot. You are a person of many talents. At least according to this game, is our, <laughs> our Sam is is indeed multi-talented. The multi-talented librarian. Give me a Grammy, maybe an Oscar. <laughs> Give me an award. Oh, what was that? What was that award that uh, the guy in Thirty Rock wanted to win? When you win all of the Tonys and the. Oh, yeah, oh, you got... The Tonys, the Oscars, the Emmys. Yeah, you got. Oh, that's Tony, it. That's it. You got. You got. Grammy, Oscar, Tony. I yeah. am a quadruple threat. Yes, you are. You, 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 you got it. Well, you got it. Just, just whatever you do, don't make fun of Will Smith's wife. Although I'd imagine that you'd probably bitch slap him back. It's probably likely. <laughs> You know, I saw the Sinead O'Connor uh, comment in the uh, script and thought it could have gone a little bit differently there. That was, that was, well, I was in kind of an 80s kind of mind doing research on <laughs> old soda commercials for that skit. And mm-hmm. um, first Go of all, the one. Pope kids. Yeah, the, the first bold person that came to my head was Sinead O'Connor and immediately thought of the SNL bit and just realized that I. There's going to be a generation of kids that play the Outer Worlds that will not g- get who that is. See, my, my my knowledge of Sinead O'Connor lately is just a rewatch of Empire Records. Sinead, Sinead, shock me with your devious behavior. <laughs> I'm old. It's fine. <laughs> <sighs> we're, we're all old. Yeah. Dealing with dated references. I, I knew that I was getting old when I dropped a Sim- Simpsons reference to my younger co-workers and they just kind of looked at me on the Zoom call like, what? Sim- Simpsons? You guys never watched The Simpsons? Okay, never mind. <laughs> oh, and, and that being said, I, I think we ought to ca- can this intro and have a quick musical interlude and then get started with the Dr. Thunder Fallout, the Outer Worlds. Um, so we will be right back. And welcome back to RPG Backtrack, where we are getting into the Outer Worlds. You know, I, I've i been so distracted that I didn't even pull up the release date info, and I probably should have. <laughs> I mean, it, it came out in 2019. Yes, t- 2019, and then, June 20th. Or no, I'm sorry, yeah, 2019 by Obsidian Entertainment yeah, before so, Microsoft bought them. Correct. Yeah, so October 25th, 2019 was the original release, and it came out on PC, PS4, and Xbox One. And then in 2020, it showed up on the Nintendo Switch to very poor reviews. That's a heroic uh, part. That's a pretty decent way to play. <laughs> I, uh, let me guess. Performance issues? 
Oh God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? I, on the I, Switch? No. A third a third party game with performance issues on the Switch? Say it didn't suck. Listen, I'm here to I am here to point out that that version is not ideal. But if you want to play that game portably and you aren't one of these seven people with a Steam Deck, it's a not bad way to play the game. Fair, fair. You Kelly, be interested to, to see which one runs better, this game or uh, Rune Factory 5? I was going to say, Rune Factory 5 runs pretty bad, and I'm <laughs> I'm powering through that. That one doesn't have an excuse. That is a Switch-native game. <laughs> <laughs> it's also made by Marvelous. Which is not really an excuse, but it is an explanation. It is an explanation. <laughs> but I'm having fun, so it doesn't matter. So, so will I have fun in Outer Worlds despite the performance issues if I decide to get the Switch version? Which so, I wouldn't. Outer Worlds follows Obsidian's wonderful trend of crazy space westerns, but in this case with crazy corporations involved. Um, so, I adore Obsidian. I've played a lot of their games. Um, my favorite Fallout was Fallout New Vegas. So playing Outer Worlds for me was one of those situations where I was like, ooh, this feels kind of like New Vegas, except the humor is like intensified and it's crazy. Everything about this game is insane. And that's what I was reading in my research of the game is that everybody that got picked this up thought that it was going to be like uh, New Vegas. And when it wasn't, some people got disappointed. I kind of, uh, I kind of appreciated that for for as much as it, I did it as got, well. it, for as much as it got immediately compared to Fallout. One of the things that I appreciated is, and this is this is just like part and parcel with Fallout. I am fucking sick of fifties parodies. Absolutely yeah. sick to death of them, and, and getting away from that but keeping some of the same sensibilities was like a huge, like, Oh, thank God. <laughs> like when it, when it leans into the space Western, it is delightfully hokey. And, mm-hmm. you know, you got to love that. That's kind of the, the charm that it has. And that, that's it. This game has a lot of personality uh, because it's, it's mostly writing humor and cynicism. And when you're, kind of seeing those two elements together like you're in for a fun time you want to know what why these corporations are kind of insane and they're all looney tunes every single one of them every single one of them is insane you want to know why like everybody in the world is just a little bit more fucked up than they want to be um the, the environmental storytelling elements of this game are intriguing. It's also a very colorful game for a Western RPG. Uh, well, well that, yeah, that's, that's what I noticed. That, that's definitely one of the more interesting parts about it is like they actually did take a really they did a really good job of like, hey, we're setting this thing in outer space. We're going to give you a lot of different like colorful environments. It was nice to not have something that was all drab and brown and gray. Everything everything was popped with color. It looked really it looked really good. It's a very alien uh, set, setting, which is, you know, nice when you're... I haven't gotten that in a lot of WRPGs in a long time. It, the setting itself, like, in terms of just, like, the amount of color popping, it has kind of reminds me of, like, Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite, where it's just... There are all these pops of color, and there's such a unique style to a lot of the architecture that exists in the game as well. Um, one of my favorite areas of the game is the Roseway, mostly just because it's really pink just you're walking around this planet that is just all different shades of pink and like most of the things on it are uh, creepy um but it's pink it's very pink (laughs) like me some pink but yeah 
color is just a big thing in this game. So I, I love it for that. I'm trying to think uh-huh. what else. Um, how, how does it handle the combat? Exactly how you expect. <laughs> I, I, uh, first, first person, that's... Well, not that, but they've kind of replaced it with that ability to kind of slow down time. So it kind of ends up playing a bit oh. like a, a, a real-time version of that. Gotcha. I love the in-universe conception for why this pseudo-vats is happening, which is just that your character has been frozen for so long that it has literally just completely fucked their brain's capacity to process time properly. Yep. It's like, you're a disaster. It's kind of nice. And I mean, the game offers you when you come out of the cryogenic sleep um, a bunch of different class builds. Um, which is really, and it's done in a way where, you know, you can be the best shooty person if you want. You can be a very good scientist if you want. You can be sneaky if you want. But, I mean, the actual class builds themselves don't really, like, compared to something like Mass Effect, don't really have a whole lot of uniqueness to them, I feel. I know, like, if you pick, like, a more science-y build, for example, you're a lot more proficient with the unique science weapons that appear. But, I mean, like, I totally played this game with a lot of running and gunning. I mean, when you're also picking your personality, if I remember correctly, there's, like, a lot of oddities in the character selection. Like, you're poor! Or, you had money! Or you're, you know, just yeah, this loser janitor thing. They're less classes and more backgrounds. Because yeah. like, the thing that's really going to affect what you can do is whether you try to shortchange any of your, like, core stats. Yeah, that's right. That's what I was trying to remember. Because, like, uh, I'll, I'll bring up something that happened when I uh, first played the game, when it first, like, went on Game Pass. Because I was like, oh, I'll sh- I shortchanged my perception, or, like, the equivalent, for, uh, because I was like, oh, well, I, I mean, in a lot of, uh, a lot of, like, Fallout, like, the more modern Fallout games, that's just not that useful to me. I don't care about it as much. And I assumed I'd be able to, you know, I can fix it later the thing is if you low if you are substandard at something that's going to affect your dialogue choices so my substandard perception meant that my character was just a social dipshit (laughs) i love it (laughs) like there is a there is a uh side quest that we are going to discuss later that it took my character forever to realize what was going on because he was so socially dense, like his perception was that poor that yeah. he couldn't figure out what social interaction was happening. So, yeah, so there are unique aptitudes. And again, these aptitudes are absolutely fantastic and they grant you really cool bonuses. So there is a beverage service technician, bureaucrat, cashier, construction worker, elevator operator specialist, factory worker, farmer, Food additive tester, janitor, tossball team mascot, medical technician, safety inspector, hello Homer Simpson, uh, science scientist assistant, and sub sous chef. And I actually now remember which one I picked. It was a beverage service technician. Because <laughs> I thought grants. that was funny. So it apparently grants the bonus of uh, drink effect duration is plus three. <laughs> 
Like, just the mildest of bonuses. It's a mild bonus. I I think I just picked it because I thought it was really silly. Yeah, I think that's really more how they want you to pick those backgrounds. Like, just what's fun. Well, and, like, the food additive tester, same thing. It's food effect duration is a plus three. Yeah, like, like most of the, like, a bunch of those barely do anything. They're they're not really relevant, but again, like, this just kind of goes to show how really tongue-in-cheek this game is. Like, it wants you to laugh with it. They're for flavor. It is flavor. And I mean, yes, you can totally play the game full melee. You can totally play it as a full techie. Um, you know, that is completely up to you. But what David said is absolutely correct. Like, depending on how your score stats shake out, there could be some really awkward situations for sure. And even the same thing, like, there's actual phobias in this game, which are hilarious. And that was the thing, one of the other things that I really wanted to know about um, when I was doing my research. It's like, wait a minute, you can be afraid of stuff in this game? Yes. Oh my god, that's so. that sounds so funny. Yeah, no, if, if you get abused by specific things a lot, and it does take a bit it, for a phobia to appear. Yeah, it's very easy to, like, for you're going to have to be taking the same kind of abuse a lot before your character is going yeah. to start becoming afraid of it. <laughs> Like, the only one I remember ever getting was I did have the plasma weakness, and it was just literally, I got burned a lot. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and the it. game, as I recall, the way the game handles these is that when you, when they, it gives you the option to take them. Yeah. Like yeah you don't yeah. have to take them. Uh, and, believe, and it's like a slight negative and a slight positive, right? Yeah. Yeah, like, you, if you take it, you will get some other sort of small bonus. Uh but I, I think the one that I got was I kept trying to jump off of things to get to places faster, <laughs> yep. and so my character developed a fear of heights. Yep, your your legs were permanently crippled. <laughs> my my favorite that I didn't get, and I'm a little sad about it, is the robophobia. <laughs> <laughs> you just get I love the idea just that you're afraid of robots. Um, like, that one's really good. Uh, you can have a permanent concussion. Um, that's literally just apparently taking a lot of headshots, um, drug addiction, you know, it, that one is very true to fallout. That's literally take all the drugs <laughs> and then you just need drugs to survive. There's also one for farsighted, which I did have that one come up, but I didn't take. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea what triggers that. Uh, so that one is you repeatedly, it, it also has to do with getting hit in the head. Um, you'll pick up the flaw if you used your scope weapons too much. So if you're playing a <laughs> sniper, like that would be, I think, the best way to possibly get that. <laughs> so yeah, this, these are neat. And again, they're really silly. Yes, they offer a great bonus and a negative, but it's just another way to play the game. Like I kind of feel like it reminds me of if you've ever played Deadlands or... Um, like, yeah, Deadlands. Because in Deadlands, for example, uh, it's a tabletop game where you can take a veteran of, like, the Weird West or just a veteran status. And it means that, like, you get this negative in order to get some extra skill points. And that's totally what this is. Like, you're taking these bonuses to get something else as a, not so much a reward, but to compensate. Um, 
You're, you can make your stranger as ridiculous as possible in this game. Yeah, it's it's sort of built like it's a lot of table. That is like a very common like tabletop thing to have like a flaw system. But it's trying to sort of compensate for the way that people will try to like take flaws that won't affect them. The only way to get these phobias is to do to make it clear that you are running into this problem a lot. Just smacks you. You keep jumping off the cliff. Guess what? Now you have busted knees. <laughs> Maybe don't jump off the cliff, David. Listen. <laughs> if I, want I have to, a death wish. I want to get where I'm going faster, and I will just take the hypo spray afterwards. I mean, that's the other side of it. If you have enough hypo spray, who cares? It's like, whatever. I, I'm gonna just I got keep places flinging. to be. I'm going to keep flinging off this cliff. It's fine. I got, I got medicine. It's okay. I got drugs. Well, you if you were playing the it. game on on normal, even on normal difficulty, it was not a very difficult game. No, not at all. If anything, I would say like the choices were more difficult. At least some of them were. The first, the first choice in the game, like in terms of a big plot line, is it's a pretty interesting one. Um, it's the one about the power regulator. If I'm yeah, not mistaken, like, right, and the Saltuna yeah, cannery. But- yeah, like whether you're going to like give power to the uh, existing cannery or if you're going to give power to the people who have uh, left it and are trying to leave behind the like tragicomic corporate world. Yep. They're basically yeah. a bunch of hippies. Yeah, they give you comedy. they give you an option to try to reconcile the two things, but even if you take that, you end up getting like indications of uh, that attempting to reconcile the two things is just create is not actually fixing everything the way that you would hope. No, and I mean this game has um, different kinds of hostility in it as well. Again, that also kind of borrowed from Fallout as well, where it's different groups will be hostile to you depending on the choice that you make. So, for example, if you side with the hippies, the people of Edgewater really don't like you because you've kind of killed their livelihood. There is, however, the incredible, uh, like, honestly, an incredibly written conversation where if you do make that choice, you have to have a discussion with, like, the guy whose job is running Edgewater. And like, he's, he is so like that, that job is his entire identity. If he fails here, he doesn't have any notion of leaving or trying to escape punishment. He's just like, I will be sent to some sort of like horrible fate and I will deserve it. And I will take it. There's a lot of characters like that in the game, which I kind of love because one of the they're things all beaten down. They're well, they're all beaten down, or they are just a mask for a corporate enterprise, right? Mm-hmm. So they none of the characters in this game, outside of the people that are in your party, have like a real personality because they're either completely destroyed mentally or they are the face for their corporate overlord, right? And, and if you, yeah. Oh okay. go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, those few times where you can try to scratch beneath the surface of that kind of character, you mostly see that, like, if you did try to ta- rip that mask away from them, they would break down. So you get, like, the the guy in the moon uh, mask that, like, if you keep, if you ask him how he got the mask or what he's, like, what he's like underneath it, he essentially just has a mental breakdown and sobs at you to stop asking. Yep. Well, and again, a lot of them don't know how to be anything beyond the job that they have. Like, as funny as like the, the Spacer's Choice mascots and what are, these people are trapped. 
And that's like, there is a really dark tone under all the humor where you realize that everybody in this world sort of can't escape the corporate overlord that they kind of have to serve, right? Like there, there is yeah. no escape and you are the oddball because you are this stranger who, you know, you've been given the task to try to save the people of the hope. Um, but you have to kind of mingle with all these different groups in order to kind of get the full picture and you're not again. Everyone tends to be easily slayed because swayed because they want to survive. So you're this entity where it's like, no, no, like we can we can negotiate this. We can figure this out. So when you have your party members join you, they're in such a unique position because you're almost giving a lot of them their freedom. Like Parvati, I think, is a great example of that because you know she's a mechanic from Edgewater, and when you you know, when you decide to maybe not help the cannery, she she does get upset with you because she does tell you, she's like, you know, you just took these people's livelihoods away, but also you gave me freedom, and that's very strange, and I don't know what to do, so I'm going to come with you because I need to figure this out. Um, and that's like a really great moment because she, you can sense her unsureness of being given freedom, but there is that little bit of excitement as well. And there's also that darkness because she understands that you, you did effectively, no matter which choice you make, you harmed a bunch of people. Yeah, like the, as much as the game's reputation is built around its like over the top sense of humor, it's it's clear that the, that sense of humor is a veneer that needs to exist because otherwise the game would be one of the most relentlessly dour things imaginable. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> like just. As, like, even just the game goes on, like, when you meet certain characters, uh, what I'm thinking of is, like, the one with the radio signal. Because you have mm. the ability to meet the people. They're like a cult, aren't they? There's, like, the one group that's, like, a cult, and then there is, like, the people. I think his name is Sanjir. Because he's like, oh, yeah. Because <laughs> there's, like, there's these two feuding groups, essentially. It's the iconoclasts. That's what they are. Mm. You have the iconoclasts, and then you have the people living in its monarch. And mm, yeah, the monarch yeah. basically are like, no, like, we need this this radio signal. You know, we need to be able to make sure that, again, our people have their jobs, our people are taken care of. But you don't really get, like, a good sense of why you should trust, you know, Sanjir, because he's, again, he is a corporate shill. But then you meet the iconoclasts who are very, like, we don't follow no, no corporate overlord. We escaped the corporate overlord. But they're also a cult. They're more of, a, like, a cult of personality, though. So you kind of are stuck in this, like, both these kind of suck. There's a recurring motif that the only kind of people that are bucking against uh, the the uh, corporate uh, overlords are essentially people that have like a very strong uh, personality in a way that means that, you know, like they the kind of person that's going to take up and be a leader. But of course, that kind of person is also prone to a certain degree of egomania. And I mean, then as the game goes on, like you'll go to a place called Byzantium and Byzantium is where all the rich kind of bureaucrats live and they like totally live in their own fucking world. They're wealthy. They 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 have no fears, nothing to worry about. And when you go there, you know, you're you're essentially looking for something and you have a character named Ellie with you and Ellie you know, was once a part of 
this lifestyle and it's a lifestyle that she escaped. So like when you're getting her story and you're learning about like where she came from and her parents, you recognize that she wants, again, she doesn't want to become a corporate shill. She doesn't want to become something that she's not. Um, you get a lot of these stories with the characters. I also like Byzantium because that's also where you do the side quest where you get to be an emotion picture. And that one's really funny. <laughs> so I remember really liking that one. But yeah, like each of the different areas that you visit in Outer Worlds, like they all have their own really unique personality. The one downside to the game is that there are a lot of planets in the game's like solar system, but you don't actually visit that many. And it made me wonder like when the game released if there had been more thought to have more areas open as I guess DLC. And then, I mean, there they are did make two, two DLCs, DLCs, but I still yeah. haven't played. <laughs> But that's it. Like, I don't even feel like because I played one of them. I actually reviewed one of the DLCs, which mm. and unfortunately I didn't like it. Oh, um, sure. It added another planet. But again, there's a lot of unoccupied planets in this game. So it makes you wonder if they had like a bigger idea of where they wanted people to be able to go. There's also a the weird planet, too, that's like lava. It's just lava. And then there's bugs. I remember I think, going to that one and being like, I'm getting my ass kicked. Sorry, Josh. <laughs> no, no, like in, in its setup, it almost kind of felt like an older Bioware game where, you know, it you're just selecting. Has, like, oh, sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, it definitely has sort of a KOTOR-y vibe as well. It, exactly. Like you've got your got your map. You can choose from your different planets. Like the planets themselves aren't massive. Like, uh, you know, like this is not one giant open world like Fallout and, you know, most other Western open world RPGs, like each map, each world you go to kind of has, it's it's broader than something like Mass Effect, which is totally just kind of a corridor shooter, but like it's not gigantic and open like, uh, like a traditional Fallout game. Mm-hmm. And I, that's one of the nice things about sci-fi is like you, you need more gameplay, just throw another planet in there. Yeah. I, 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 would, I would almost argue that like, Part of the, part of the because like this game was to to describe a bit about its development. This game was financed by a division of 2K called like Private Division that was interested in financing mid-budget uh, kinds of games. So I think that the decision to have like this giant map that has a ton of stuff on it, but a lot of stuff that you can't actually access, was both. Like, for DLC purposes, obviously, for the purposes of, like, potential sequel concepts, but also just to give the impression that, like, this is a expansive place and that you aren't finding everything there is to it, I think is a reasonable assumption of, like, there, there was actual intent there as opposed to merely uh, cuts being made. Uh, that's just my interpretation. No, I and I feel like you might be on the money with something. I mean, Outer Worlds is... It's a game that I feel like either you're going to love or you're going to hate because it's kind of a budget title. And yet somehow it's way better QA'd than anything that they made under Bethesda. <laughs> Pretty much. Like, well, it's not using a, Bethesda's engine, so that helps. It's also that they aren't uh, using Bethesda's QA structure, but yeah, like sure. it's one of those things. Like you, you hear like this is an Obsidian game, and like maybe get uh, the impression of oh, it's, so it's going to break constantly. And actually, no, it doesn't break constantly. It does not. Actually, like I didn't get a lot of uh, weird glitches in this one. To be honest, like at least I'm not. 
I don't have anything that's like coming to mind. It will um, have the occasional issues, but it's a pretty stable game. <laughs> yeah, I think I had one side quest that kind of glitched where I couldn't finish it, but I don't remember it crashing very much. And I think those side quests eventually got patched. Also, we haven't talked about one of my favorite uh, jokes in the entire game, and I'm not sure how to uh, cleanly put it in, but I just want to say the uh, necessary identity impersonation for your ship needs to be mentioned. Ah, feel free. <laughs> so, uh, you were when when you are sent out of your uh, cryo tube by the mad doctor that revives you, uh, you were supposed to be greeted by by someone, a certain ship captain. Mm-hmm. And you accidentally your your drop pod squashes them. They they're dead. Uh, yeah, Hawthorne. I yeah, Hawthorne. That's what it was. But you. You so, do a little Wizard of Oz on Hawthorne, let's just put it that way. You smush them with bit. the ship and then you take it. <laughs> yep, you, you go to the ship and the ship's like, oh, th- thanks for arriving, Captain Hawthorne. And you can be like, I'm not Captain Hawthorne. The ship's like, well, if you weren't Captain Hawthorne, I wouldn't be able to take you anywhere, so you must be Captain Hawthorne. And you're just it's like, a, well, I guess I'm Hawthorne. It, it. Like, this computer will argue you down. You cannot win against this computer. There's no way to win against Ada in any conversation in this game. It's great. It's one of my favorite, like, She is one of the best characters in the game, though. Like, she is really funny. Sometimes, like, Ada will just randomly talk to you while you're walking around. Sometimes she'll, like, sing a little song. Sometimes she'll just tell you about something that, like, she's found, you know, scanning across the galaxy, whether it's a weird commercial or, you know, one of the party members is doing something weird. Like, um, Parvati at one point in the game can date somebody. Like, she meets this doctor and, like, she has a big crush, but she's like, I don't know how to crush. How do? How do I do? It's hard. How do I do this? And you can kind of coach her through it. Unless Um, your perception's too bad. Then you're just bad at it. Um, and then you help her, like, buy presents and stuff. And it's, like, the cutest thing ever. But, like, Ada will chide them, which is really funny. Like, oh, oh, Parvati's got her little girlfriend here. Like, you should go see what they're doing. And it's like, Ada, like, what the hell? Let them have their privacy, you bitch. But she's like, no, there are people on the ship. There's also um, Felix He's a really ridiculous character because, like, he's obsessed with Tossball. Tossball is an incredibly dumb sport that exists in this game. It's really just lacrosse. (laughs) It's space lacrosse. Like, you can find Tossball sticks throughout the game and literally club enemies to death with them. (laughs) Um, But yeah, Felix is, like, obsessed with Crossball to the point where it's like, bro, you... You need a life. We don't know what fantasy cross uh, crossball or what is it? Tossball. Tossball is. You know, but also like he has like a weird story where like he got hurt by somebody, so like that's why he kind of just obsesses about tossball because you know he's got kind of nothing else to kind of keep them together. Like a lot of the characters, again, they all have this like really sad bit about them that you're just like, oh, I want to, I want to hug you. But also like, do you crazy? The only one who isn't crazy is Sam. And that's because Sam is a janitor robot. And Sam, Sam knows what Sam is here for. Sam is here to clean your toilets and clean the ship. And like, you can tell Sam that Sam is a good robot. Um, Sam will yell out phrases about wanting to clean the enemies which is delightful. Like, just pulling out, like, a random broom and stuff. 
<laughs> so like, yeah, no. Sam, Sam was always the character like that was worth taking with you if you got Sam, just because everything that happens with Sam is comedy gold, and it's just really random what Sam does on the battlefield. <laughs> I also liked, again, I actually liked all of the party members in this game just because they were all really interesting. Especially yeah, they're, as they're trying to get out cast. of their situations. Like, I liked Na- is it Nayoka? Nayoka was the drunk. Yeah. And like, yeah. she's got her whole, it's like a, is it like a clan of people that she's with? Like, hers actually is really sad because it's about finding like tags of all the people that were in her crew at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, you kind of have to get her a little plastered to get more of the story, which I kind of thought was interesting. Like at some point you can even say to her, like, girl, you've drank too much. Like you got to stop. And she's like, no, I keep going. And it's just like, no, girl, stop. Like it's a bit too much. So no, like these characters are great. Even the villain in this game is not really a villain, but he's great too. <laughs> like, ah, oh, it's a neat game. <laughs> Hamming it over the top. Well, I mean... If I'm not mistaken, the I believe the character, like the head of the board, is it Rockwell is his name? That sounds right, but it's been a bit. <laughs> yeah, I think because Rockwell is kind of a weird guy in that like he's a part of the board and he's actively actually trying to fuck everybody in the board. But he's also like, again, he is that corporate shill that is in ads and he's everywhere and he's smiling at people and he's playing you for the fool. And there's this great moment in the game where you find out that like, so he's made this video and he's being like, do you know how dumb people are? Let me tell you how dumb people are. And it's just this <laughs> long rant about the stupidity of, of people and stealing their money and making them feel like they're not real people because they are a slave to the corporate, you know, the corporations that they serve. Um, I believe the person who voiced this character was Crispin Freeman, if I'm not mistaken. And he did a really good job. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like all over the place with this game. I'm so sorry because it's been so long since I've played it, but like things are coming back and I'm like, Oh my God, I remember this. I love this. Oh, it's cool. It's why, it's why we do this. Usually once we get the talk and we start thinking about stuff. Yes. Okay. Crispin Freeman was Rockwell. So they actually had a bunch of different like uh, voice actors for this game. Like Ashley Birch was in it as well. She was Parvati, which you know every time I hear Aloy now, I'm going to be reminded <laughs> of that. A better Aloy than Tiny Tina. Oh, Tiny Tina, she is terrifying. <laughs> but no, that this game is just fun. It's a fun game. It's a weird game. And again, as long as you're going into it understanding that, like, it's dark humor at its core, you'll have a great time. (laughs) Dark humor at its core, and it's not, like, it's not built to the scope if you go in expecting something of the size of Fallout. It's not there. No. No, no, no. This is... I, I think that's what I do appreciate is the, yeah, I appreciate the idea of the scope. Goddamn long. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it, it is. They were really were trying to make like we're trying to make a big, you know, game. We're not trying to make something as giant budget as as a Fallout or Elder Scrolls or that kind of thing. Or with that ridiculous scope, we're making something a little bit smaller, and a little bit more. Uh, in in a way, you know, like doing that and setting it all on separate different worlds makes it so that they could just expand it or contract it as necessary. Yeah. And I mean, every corporate entity that you encounter in the game has its own kind of twisted story as well. 
Um, I mean, like we joke about Spacer's Choice, but they are literally like the cheapest thing you can buy. They are the budget brand of everything. Well, the you the freight, the catchphrase in it, you've tried the best. Now try, you know, try the rest. Or what now is try it? the rest. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, there's C&P. C&P is really creepy in that they're the ones that harvest cyst pigs. And cyst pigs are fucking disgusting looking in this game. They sound disgusting. They are. Um, there's a really interesting quest that has to do with C&P where it's you find out that um, all the food that they make is made with cyst pigs. Like, you just end up in this factory, and you're like, well, what the hell's going on here? And then you just see pigs being slaughtered. It's like, oh, oh, gross. <laughs> right? So every every corporate, like, every corporate entity just has something going for it. And again, they, they're all interesting to try to learn information about. And there there is a lot of information. For a game that's not huge in scope compared to other open world games... There's a lot in this game that's very contained, and I think that's what makes it shine in a lot of ways. You're not feeling overwhelmed by the amount of information that's coming at you, right? Like, everything is is pretty self-contained, depending on basically where you are. You know, if you're learning about what's happening on Monarch, like, everything is in the environment, or just talking to people will, will kind of give you a good idea of what's actually happening to those people directly, Um you know, whereas, you know, when you're playing Fallout, all the different factions interact in such di- in such different ways with each other. But sometimes it can be a little overwhelming to kind of know it's like, hey, these guys are a little weird, but also these guys are weird, but they don't like each other. But why? Whereas in this game, you already know that nobody likes each other, but they're all <laughs> doing their own thing. So they kind of all ignore each other because they're all good at something specific. Right? Yeah. The other, the other thing I would say is that the, the, what you're saying really just made slide into place in my head was just that the, the more contracted sense of space and like generally like more controlled uh, scope means that like it isn't burdensome to play this game again just to see what other things you could do. Like you oh, play yeah. some you play something like a, a Fallout or Elder Scrolls and they'll have like these. Uh, quests that have multiple resolutions and it's like well i could play that again that's a lot of hours to spend so i won't (laughs) no and i mean even your big choices in this game all have pretty significant consequences i mean even just with the last area of the game there's multiple ways in which things can happen so when Wells tasks you with basically saving the people of the hope so that because they are the brightest minds in the universe, he wants you to basically bring them back to life. And you're like, OK, I can do that. You can actually make the choice to murder all the people on the hope for reasons. Um, you can let Wells get kidnapped as an option um, because the space corporations are like, we're going to send him to space jail because he's a fugitive and he's been giving you instructions and you know where he is. so You can go save him. Or you can have Wells go crazy and then go to the space jail and murder everybody. <laughs> For also reasons. <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, that was the part that didn't really work for me was that, you know, like it. the ultimate choice that they're wanting you to make between like siding with the board and turning against the board. I'm just like, there's nothing in this game that has made me want to side with the board. There, How there is, is no really a choice. No. It's only a choice if you are role-playing someone who is as profoundly selfish as humanly possible. And that that's kind of it. Like, I think it's great that the option exists, 
for a player who wants that. But if you're somebody who is playing a very like good character, you're not going to obviously pick the option where Wells goes crazy and murders everybody in the jail. Like you're not going to pick that. You're going to go save your buddy Wells and you're going to skip the hope to ensure that those people survive. Again, if you get the ending where you kill everybody in the hope, it's an accident. Like literally just, you didn't make enough good choices for those people to survive. Um, and that, that, and that, that sucks, but it can happen. Like that's sort of like the game's premature ending. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I don't know anyone who got that. In some sense, you'll sometimes get these, like, why would any of, the, why would this exist? And it's just like, just because if it doesn't exist, then there is no, there's a lesser sense of ac- accomplishment for having done something correctly if there isn't a fail state. And this game is a lot more morally gray than some of the other. Like, I feel it, it can be quite morally gray. I mean, I also know there are people out there who disagree with that sentiment, and that's okay. Um, the grayness is very important to a game like this because you don't want your choices to feel like save the baby or eat the baby, which is always the analogy I use for Western RPGs, mm-hmm. right? When you play Fallout 3, your options are save the baby, eat the baby. That is literally all you get. Because neutral doesn't count in that game. I'm sorry. It's save the baby, eat the baby. In Outer Worlds, you don't really have save the baby, eat the baby. <laughs> you you just have these choices where you're, you're kind of like, I, I hope that maybe I have done a good thing because it's hard to know. It's hard. Maybe to know. I saved that baby. Maybe someone else is going to eat it. And that's it. Like you think back to that very first choice with Ed- Edgewater and the hippies, and you know that whatever choice you make in that, people still have to suffer. And it's it's the same for almost all the choices in this game. You're trying to figure out if you're trying to play good. You're trying to figure out what is the lesser of two evils. What's and, the least suffering in this scenario? And it sucks. It sucks because, I mean, some of those choices are pretty nasty. The last choice in the game is the funniest one because it is the one that actually has the least amount of how many people are going to suffer. I mean, I don't really know these people personally. So if they blow up in the sun, I mean, eh, I can be the brightest mind in the galaxy, I guess. Now it's the space janitor's time to shine. (laughs) Yeah. Um. But yeah, that last choice is, it's a frustrating one because it just, it doesn't tie the rest of the game um, as nicely together as it could. And given it's Obsidian, like that part's actually a little frustrating because I think back to playing Fallout New Vegas, and I have a lot of beefs with Fallout New Vegas, even though I love it to pieces. But it is one of those things where it's, again, if you're going to give me the grayness, you need to still make me feel like my choices are super impactful. Like, I want to feel the consequences. And that's why I don't like the final choice of that game, because I feel like the consequences are kind of nothing special. Whereas, you know, I played Fallout New Vegas entirely evil for shits and gigs, and I felt the consequences of murdering the president in the game. I know, because I punched him to death. And then my husband played yakety sax in the background as I was fleeing. So, you know. Sometimes you make your own comedy. As you do. I, I always do. That's that's kind of my life's goal when I'm playing an open world game. Especially like Obsidian Bethesda ones where it's really easy to accidentally make your own fun. Um, but that's it. Like when you're When you have an open world game and you want to have those more evil or questionable choices they still have to have a level of impact and that's why like why i do in a lot of ways like fallout new vegas because i look at it and it's like 
Yeah, no, I murdered the president. That's a shitty thing to do, but I've screwed up the order of the world now because I did that. There's no figurehead anymore. Whereas here, it's like, you can fuck around with the corporations, but at the end of the day, if you take out the board, the world doesn't fully change. It's just one less corporate douchebag. And I think there is, like, maybe a thematic resonance to that in the game's, like, structural like concern about like well corporations are a many-headed beast so it's like on some level like that's dissatisfying but also i can kind of if it's intentional i can see what the thought process was because it's one of those things where it's like yeah you got rid of a boss there's still a corporation they're just going to put someone there yeah and it's funny because the whole game again is all about corporations so I'm just going to switch for a second to like the DLC that I played. So one of the ones that I played, because there was only two, uh, was the Peril and Gorgon. And Gorgon was a weird one because it wasn't about corporate entity. It was about like a family murder mystery a la Knives Out. Like that's what huh. it was. So you were getting this storyline about like a bunch of people looking for a fortune and, you know, you're like, well, what's going on here? Like if we find like the journal of this famed scientist, like it's going to be one of the most valuable things in the galaxy. And you learn that like everybody in this household wants the same thing. And so if like, if you get it before somebody else does, you know, you can sell it for a high price. You can give it to the person who tasked, uh, tasked you with the quest and you turned out fine. Like you find out she's fucking evil too. Right. Like it was an interesting idea that was very different from what the main game was, but it was also one of those things where a lot of the additional bonuses that the DLC provided weren't really interesting. And, Mm even more annoying was just the fact that like the way in which the skill checks worked in the DLC half the time you could make a successful skill check and and nothing happens. Like you could intimidate somebody and it doesn't feel like it actually changed the trajectory of the story. And that was a very infuriating element because that's one of the great things about this game is like when you're using your skill checks, whether it's your high perception, your intimidation, your persuasion, you can really change the course of a conversation and your conversations will feel more impactful. Like if you want to intimidate somebody to get through, you know, an area, by all means do it. If you think you've got the high intimidation, if you don't, oh my God, the consequences half the time are pretty funny. It's like, you're a loser. I'm going to kill you now. And it's like, okay. Uh, but that's one thing I like about this game is when you're using the skill checks, everything feels really meaningful. So that was kind of a frustrating element playing the Peril on Gorgon because it didn't have that. Like it kind of took away from that element. And again, this is supposed to be like a murder mystery. Like it's supposed to be Knives Out. And I was like, this is not doing that, though. <laughs> and I found it very frustrating. Um, I didn't play the second DLC. I heard it was much better than this one was. Um, it's going to make me end up just buying both DLCs and finally playing them. Honestly, like, again, Peril and Gorgon does have interesting elements to it. It does. It just, again, there were things that also just didn't work for me. I feel like I'll be better served with, like, the knowledge that, oh, things are going to sort of play out a certain way and you don't have a yes. great capacity to affect it. You you don't have a lot of agency in it, and that kind of stinks. Can I also say one other thing I love about this game is the advertisements uh, during the load screens. They are gorgeous looking, like whether it's just like saying breaking news or whether it's showing off like the Spacer's Choice mascot, like flying through space or like the anti-Cleo's potions and stuff like that. Like the artwork in this game is beautiful. (laughs) They just love this game. It's so pretty. (laughs) 
I, I love those uh, old because I was seeing that when I was doing my research. I, I love some of those old timey looking advertisements for like fake products, fake products, and fake movies. Because um, you usually somebody has to paint those. Oh yeah, no, I forgot that job. Congrats, like you did an amazing job. Excellent work, A plus. I want to play this game again now. I have too many games to play, but like this conversation is now making me kind of go. I want to replay it. And it's not like it's a long game. Like, you can if you if you know what you're doing, you could probably fit this in like twenty or so hours. Oh yeah. It, it sounds like an interesting game that might be a little bit up my alley because I, I'm notoriously allergic to Western RPGs. But after my my experience with Skyrim, I'm kind of starting to come around a little bit, and I prefer the more humorous ones to the more de- deadpan serious ones. Well, and, and Kelly, this game is not difficult in the slightest. It's not. It's a very, very accessible and very approachable game for somebody who is a newcomer to Western RPGs. And when you don't, just play it on easy. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I, I play a bunch of my games on easy. That's usually not, not an issue. It's more one of the things I get frustrated with Western RPGs, and I don't know if this is still the case now, but back when I used to try to play them, it's like, okay, plunk you, plunk you in the world. Figure it out where you need to go. No, this is a much more directed game. You always this have a very, fair idea of what you need to do. This game is very linear, for sure. Okay, good. Um, like, this game is very good about telling you very exactly what you need to do. Like, that's one of the other reasons that I would say that, like, it feels like a mix between uh, something like a Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic and, like, a Fallout. Because, like, you do have these big maps that you can wander around and they're is things to find in them but the the core of you are here for a very specific reason this area has a beginning middle and end Mm -hmm. is very much emphasized from the from the off and is always front and center in how you're meant to approach them yes absolutely okay good um i'm you know, I didn't even check to see if this was on sale because, like I said, I I claimed I so much. Pretty free cheap st- now. <laughs> yeah, I claimed so much stuff between Prime and PS Plus and all of that stuff that I looked through all of that just to see if I'd ended up with it somehow and and never did. But I'm sure it goes on sale all the time. It, it is yeah. on oh, yeah. sale on PlayStation right now until the end of the month as part of that spring sale for mm-hmm. under twenty bucks. Yeah, and it's on Game Pass as well. If you have for anyone out there who has Xbox Game Pass. There you go. Yep. Uh, yeah, because it was it was initially like it launched on Game Pass, and then. Uh, but Lex. yeah, if you if you demand a physical copy, they're also it's like twenty bucks tops. Yeah. Yeah, like it's a it's a cheap game to get. Yeah, I, I see that it's twenty bucks right now, which is good. I'll, I'll probably pass it this time because I've got enough crap to play right now. But <laughs> maybe on a Steam sale. Uh, Next time it might be dirt cheap on Steam because it, it sounds really interesting and it sounds like it, it's a lot of fun to play through. Oh yeah, it's a great time. Um, I- I- anything about the music or sound design that you want to talk about? There's not a lot of music in it other than the jingles. <laughs> nope, the jingles are the best part. Whoa, whoa, the voice, whoa! The voice acting was good, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Oh yeah, excellent voice at work all around. And it's not the best choice. It's basically choice. choice. So there you go. It's pretty uh, fun. Okay, that that seems seems like a pretty conducive main event for the most part. Unless you guys have anything else you want to add. Yeah. Again, it's a great time. It, uh, it felt like it kind of got like it, it was well liked, but it felt like it kind of got overlooked when it came out because like a lot of the the awards were going to 
like Disco Elysium or the very similarly named Outer Wilds, which everyone got confused with. Yeah, um, including me. <laughs> yeah, no, I I have had people can uh, I have had to explain the difference between these two games multiple times within the past year. <laughs> it's uh, it was not conducive for either game. And and unfortunately, it's just that much enough different that unless somebody really wanted to go after the other one legally, they kind of stuck with the two similar names. Like, yeah, it's, it's, well. The, the the names are kind of generic enough that that you you know you're not going to be able to say that one is in you know yeah it's just an unfortunate circumstance where two games with thematically appropriate but kind of generic names came out around the same time <laughs> I, I'm just thinking about how something came out somewhat recently that was called Eldest Souls and I'm like wait what that that's the old ring game right no Eldest Souls it's a completely different game like. Oh god. It does sound like it should be the transmorphers to Elden Ring though. Yeah. Or on the on the PlayStation where you had dual hearts and then you had a, a game called oh, Kingdom or something and then Kingdom Hearts and Yeah, Dual Hearts <laughs> came out the exact same month as Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> I don't think anyone played it but me. <laughs> should anyone play it? It's fine. I wouldn't recommend it's expensive now because I think it's Atlas published, but oh, I mean, of course. it's fine. I think it was technically from the developer of Alundra, if anyone cares about that, but it's not as interesting as that either. It is in my collection. We, I will have to play it at some point. We'll have to have a dual hearts backtrack. <laughs> Someone <laughs> has to remember it. And that'll be the title. <laughs> right, uh, writing it down right now. Let's talk about Alundra first. <laughs> oh, of course. Good. Of course, you know, I, I, I never beat Alundra, and it, that sucked because I really enjoyed that game, but I got I got stuck somewhere, and this was back in the wall of text game facts uh, walkthrough phase of the internet. I'll put it this way, it ain't getting any happier, but that's it for another backtrack. <laughs> oh, that being said, I think we're ready for the roundtable for this backtrack. Sounds good. If, yep. if I don't see any opposition um we'll be back with our personal feelings about the game so stick around RPG backtrack where we're going to have our own personal feelings about the Outer Wilds. Your favorite stuff, what you were doing. Outer Wilds. Kind of... <laughs> I, I knew I was going to do it at least once. <laughs> at least once. Uh, j- just like when I had to have our Bravely Default 2 disclaimer. <laughs> well, that, that one was just mean. The, the developers were just mean to name it that. There wasn't any way that you could make it through without messing no, that up. No, no. Okay, so we're, we're going to talk about Elder Souls. <laughs> God. Uh, my, my brain gets so, my old, tired brain gets so mixed up sometimes, I swear. Um, did you guys have a favorite weapon in Outer Worlds? I mostly ran around and hit things with the largest available stick, so, eh. 
Yeah, I remember shooting lots of stuff. I don't remember what the heck it was with, but there, there was lots of shooting. Shooty shoot. <laughs> what about you, Sam? Sam, are you muted? Yes, I was muted. I'm sorry. Um, I liked I liked the shrink ray because it was just lulls. And I really liked the goop gun because gooping the enemies was a good time. So I like those things. Because I the one of the last plays I watched, a dude had a big old fire sword, and he said that um, one of the things that he appreciated was that you could just pick your favorite weapon and continue to upgrade the crap out of it, and there you go. And I, I appreciate when games do that because I I hate it when I've got a weapon that I'm just in love with and get something better. It's like oh god, no, I don't want to lose it. Yeah, the game's ease also also makes that more conducive to just like picking a loadout and sticking with it. They're good weapons, but it wasn't the most memorable part of the experience to me. Like the that's all in like mostly the writing and like quests. Okay, well, did did, did any of you guys have a favorite companion? <laughs> You're all team Parvati. Correct, because she is the best. She's adorable. If we have to name three different ones, I can pull out some other choices as well. <laughs> I, I liked Sam, and I liked the priest. I liked them all, actually. The priest we didn't yeah, there's before, no, there's but I no liked bad. him, too. The vicar. Vicar Max is a huge asshole, and it kind of owns. <laughs> yep. Yep. We we did we didn't even touch on him, but like his in, like he is also he is like a vicar in like the weird corpo religion. Yeah, the corpo religion. And he is like trying desperately to find like these uh this book of heretical writings and like that ties into his backstory. He's a lot of fun, but he's also a huge asshole, so it's also easy to dislike him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I kind of I kind of like him anyway. <laughs> But Parvati was was my favorite. She has the most like that that adorable side quest that is her trying to work out how to uh, confess to her crush and all that. That's a that's a lot of fun. They're 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 a very cute couple. Mm-hmm. And that ties in perfectly to the next question. What was your favorite side quest? Oh, def- oh definitely yeah. that one. Getting Parvati together with. I- think it was an engineer on uh, on the space yeah, station. Yeah, it's like the it's the space station's like chief engineer basically. Which, which if I only had any complaint about is that it did go a little quickly, but it was it was very cute and sweet getting them together. Mm-hmm. You know, like helping her pick out a gift and helping her, you know, like well, you know, this is the the <laughs> kind of a defunct uh <laughs> economy so you were like helping her like get get soap and stuff so you could even you know find that kind of stuff it was all very cute um was the chief engineer a guy or a girl girl oh even better queer representation oh my heart (laughs) parvati herself is also implied to be some sort of like not fully like semi a it feels like she implies she's not into physical things so it's it's a it's a very interesting relationship that you don't see depicted a lot in games no, beautiful. I, I, I love this stuff. I I will play anything that ha- has stuff like this just because it, we don't, it seems like we don't see it that often. Mm-hmm. Oh, beautiful. Um, any other side quests close to your heart? There's a ton of really good ones, but none of them rises above that one for me. My, my personal favorite is the one in Byzantium where you go and make a movie. 
<laughs> yeah, that's fair. That one is just really funny, and you get to choose all your lines, and you can fuck up the movie as much as you want. And you get a trophy for it, just for having fun <laughs> at a movie set. Um, that one's pretty delightful. The other one I like uh, is the one where you confront Ellie's parents, um, and you learn about the fact that like she was basically like written out of their will and whatnot. Like Ellie is a very cheeky character, and she's really sassy. Um, so you, when you kind of learn that like her parents are super wealthy and very like they basically try to ensure that she doesn't exist, like it's a really sad story. But she kind of gets her. I hate to call it revenge. Like she gets her comeuppance on them, we'll say. And it's it's done really well. So those are like two off the top of my head that are not Parvati's dating misadventures <laughs> that are, I think, pretty fun. Sounds like they really put a lot of thought into the side quests in this game. Well, the side quests and the characters. Yeah. Because that's it. Like the character quests in this game, they really shine. They're really good. Um, and it makes the cast even more likable. Again, Max is a douchebag. But his story is fantastic. So that's kind of it. Like, doing all of the character quests is totally worth the time investment just because the amount of story you get for everybody is really special. It really is. Yeah, there's only, like, six companions, but all of them are worth, like, exploring as much as possible. I think Sam's the only oddball that doesn't really get much of a quest because he's a janitor bot. Yeah, he, d- he doesn't have anything he wants. He's, he's living his best life right now. <laughs> he is he's being a helper robot. And and so we touched on may have touched on this one a little bit, but did any of you guys develop any fears? Heights. I had plasma weakness. And and I wussed out and didn't get any fears. <laughs> you missed out. <laughs> I was going to say, wussing out if you didn't develop any fears, it sounds like you partially won the game. (laughs) It just means he said no every time the game said, do you want to take this disadvantage? Do you want this fear? Oh, it asks you. It asks you, you, are you willing to take this disadvantage? (laughs) Hell yeah. It's my indecisiveness, like, coming through, like, but but I might run into robots later, and that would be terrible. So, no, I don't want to take the fear of robots. Yeah. <laughs> Too funny. But the advantage is you get a perk. You can get a perk with it, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So it really kind of it depends on your play style and just how much you want to min-max. Yes. Pretty much. Gotcha. And our final question, as always, um, did you guys have any special memories tied to this game? What you were doing in your life? What you associate the game with? Me, no. I honestly, I played it when it came out because it was a game that both like Scott and I wanted to play. Um, we were also playing it like simul- like at the same time. So it was fun to see like the decisions he was making versus the ones I was making. But otherwise, no, like... I just, I think it happened at a good time in my life. I was mentally getting it together. And again, I laughed a lot playing this game, which, you know, laughter's a good medicine. Mm-hmm. I mean, so sometimes you just play a game in your life and it's fine. Yeah. Um, I, I always, I just always put that question in because I, I'm such an associative memory type person and I'm sure other people are like that too. Mm-hmm. Um, any of you other guys? Uh, I played it when it hit Game Pass. I had a real good time with that. And then I played it again when it hit Switch. And I had a real good time with it. But it was one of those things where it's like, this was just something that helped me get through the day. And that's about it. 
and at the end of the day, that's really what a game is for. Pretty much. And Josh, uh, just to steal your thunder, I know that one of my favorite memories is hearing you talk about it on RPG Cast. <laughs> yeah, because I played it when I first got an Xbox and got Game Pass with the Xbox. And mm-hmm. so this was one of the first things I played on there. Um, I don't know, like, it's one of those things, I guess I'm not quite as high on this as uh, David and Sam is, because I just remember this game. It was fine. I enjoyed it while I was playing it. But, you know, like where where I was prepping for this backtrack and it's just like, you know, it's been two years. I don't remember what happened in the game. I remember it was fine while I was playing it. And now, you know, it's just kind of like it has faded into the ether, which, you know, (laughs) that's okay. It's better than having lots of horrible memories about the game, which I do on some. Sometimes you can just leave a game with a vague, pleasant association. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, we're going to have some bad memories for some games coming later this year. Oh, don't remind Um, me. Some of them I've got to get off my butt and play, much to my chagrin. (laughs) There's so many things you could be talking about. I'm very excited. (laughs) Oh, it it could be anything on our our list. Um, I think I see one thing on the list that's going to be unpleasant, but... That's a that's a spoiler. Uh, on that one, I want I really want to get one person that liked that game, and if, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say it was Tam. <laughs> Probably. If it's not, then the person might literally not exist. <laughs> we hard love you, to Tam. Love, hard to love games that have rape jokes in them. Well, uh, someone at NIS loved it. Yeah. Oh, so, someone loved it enough to give it a sequel. <laughs> Oh, Lordy. <sighs> I assumed that was some sort of demon contract, but. Probably. <laughs> I put this through to get this through the demon assembly. <laughs> I see what you did there. Okay, well, I, I think we're ready to put a lid on the, this one, unless you guys have anything else you want to add. I think I'm good. That's great. Play it when it's cheap. And it's always cheap. <laughs> always cheap. <laughs> Yeah, that was the other thing. When I was looking this up, I was like, whoa, this was a $60 game? I thought it was just going to be a cheap, uh, inexpensive indie. I don't want to say cheap indie because it makes it sound like it's a bad game or something. And mm-hmm. like, whoa, this came out at 60 bucks. Yeah. And like, I wouldn't have felt bad at 60 but I didn't pay 60 <laughs> Like, it's, it's always available on Game Pass because Microsoft owns it now. Yeah. And it's one of those games that you can play through in in like 20-ish hours if you just want to mainline the story. Or, you know, there's 40 or 50 hours easily. Yeah, yeah, if you're doing everything. And, yeah, I mean, if you even if you want to get the Switch version, like that version is only 20 bucks on Amazon at any given moment. So it's uh, it is not a hard game to lay hands upon. Well, I mean, I do have a road trip or a a business trip coming up. So that's why this is marked in this. That's that episode's marked in the schedule. Yeah, yeah. I, I tried to get out of that business trip, but there was at at that point I was just tired of arguing. I'm like, fine, I, I will. I will come here. I I'm annoyed that I have to deal with tra- traveling, especially in a pandemic. But oh, the things I do to pay for my video game addiction. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we'll uh, soldier well, on. It, um, nice short and sweet show for the week, which I, I am fine with. Um, th- thank you, Sam. Hey, thank you for having me. Th- thank you, Josh. No problems. And th- thank you, David. I, it's it's definitely been a while. And <laughs> talking with you, you were like, yeah, I didn't sign up for much. And 
now you're getting beyond a little bit. Yeah, I think I've set myself, like, I had just forgotten to sign up for anything, and now that I look at it, I think I'm on for, like, half the rest of the year, so uh, get oh, used to this. Yeah. Um, the more the merrier. Yep. We, we always appreciate having more people on, and new people, <laughs> and old people, and all the peoples. Well, Matt, I, I think we're ready to put this one to bed. I think we are. Um, David, you want to uh, maybe advertise our way out of this? Wait, I'm supposed to do that now? <laughs> I'm only used to the Q&A Quest ads, but I suppose I should advertise that. Hey, listen to Q&A Quest. It's not actually happening tonight, but <laughs> in normal course, it would be happening on a Wednesday evening. Oh, that that's right. Uh, Wheels was going to be on, and then he realized he was on vacation. Yeah, bit of a shame, but I tried to... He, he would have gushed about the game much as I have, so... Uh, you did the I, work of two men. Good job. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so, you know, Q&A quest, we do that every, usually every Wednesday, so, you know, maybe give that a listen. That's the only ad I have. <laughs> and and on, on one of these off nights, I need to invade you guys' show since you guys uh, t- take the time to invade mine, ours. So I don't know, much. we'd love to have you. Um, I just, I always forget, you know, Wednesday, off Wednesday nights, I'm either off doing something or trying to prepare for the next week's show, so... I kind of forget that podcasting is a thing, so we'll have to arrange arrange something. Can but, hardly uh, blame you, but yeah, we'd love to have you. Well, well, I and I appreciate you doing double duty on um, Wednesday nights very much. <laughs> I'm used to that. I'll just have a. Thankfully, I won't have to talk much the next day, so it'll be great. <laughs> Yay! And we're we're gonna get out of here. Um, what do we have next week? Oh yes, we have the soccer awards next week. I have got to play oh. more of that. Two <laughs> weeks from now, thankfully, that'll give me time to refamiliarize. Yep. So it's so gonna be dating some waifus and piloting some robots the next time play- we're on backtrack. Gonna be playing some koi koi. Koi 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 koi. I refuse to remember cards. the rules for that. It's too complicated. Koi. <laughs> it was. Is it basically like Go Fish? No. It's it's a Hanafuda game. And it's, it's a Hanafuda game. It's okay. tricky. Yeah, I <laughs> I briefly learned the rules to that the first time I played it, and I have since forgotten them and will not be attempting. It's like when I try to learn Mahjong every time I try play uh, Yakuza. It's just like, nope, this isn't happening. Oh, <laughs> nope. God. You're giving me flashbacks to when I thought I could actually play Mahjong during uh, Final Fantasy fourteen to earn... <laughs> Oh. Learned the hard way that that's not a quick and easy way to earn coins. Uh, good old Masha. Like, wait a minute, this is this is just like poker, and I'm not even good at playing poker. So it's why like poker if your hand was like nine million tiles and also yes. had like very specific combinations that you were spending the entire game trying to make. <laughs> uh. I will stick with Mahjong Solitaire, which I'm actually okay at. <laughs> the tortoise. But, okay, guys. Well, we shall catch you next time. Have an excellent rest of your day, and we'll see you later. Bye! Yeah. Bye-bye! Bye-bye! Adios! Outer Worlds? What's Outer Worlds?